1961, and you're probably not expecting this show. Welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio, the Druff and Friends show, a special edition, just spontaneous. This is Brandon's idea at uh, almost one in the morning on June 5th. Hello, Brandon. Hey, Druff. Uh, can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you. Uh-oh. 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 I don't want to play The Wanderer. One Dion song's enough. So uh, you, almost, you, must, you almost must think hell's frozen over. When I'm calling you to suggest doing radio with me, that's that's true. You know, I in in a way, I kind of wish I could just get like a radio credit from you and then move this to a Tuesday show to where I could say no, I don't want to do this one, and uh, then we get a commitment from you to do one that you don't want to do on Tuesday. But here, I have a phone call here from three hundred two. Caller, you're on the air. Hey, uh, is this Druff? It is. Hey, Jeff, how you doing? Hello, who is this? Uh, Backdoor B. Backdoor B, hello and uh, welcome to the show. Yeah, This is a spontaneous show. We're just turning on here at 1 in the morning. won't be that long because I have to play tomorrow morning for uh, the Millionaire Maker, but uh, what's going on? 
Oh, not much. I uh, I just saw the uh, live on air, and I uh, just got done playing, and uh, you know I wasn't sure if uh, this was live, so figured I would uh, call into the radio see what was going on. Yeah, no, it's it's really live. Now you said you were done playing. Are you actually in Las Vegas right now? I am not. I'm actually in New Jersey. Oh, New Jersey. All right. You're going to come yeah. out for the World Series? All right. Well, uh, you got a free roll? Or, yeah, it was on uh, WSFD.com, but uh, I'll be out there for the main event. Okay. Uh, awesome. no, no free roll tonight. Hmm. All right. Well, uh, yeah, I've donated a couple times, and, uh, you know, I like to donate the next time. I uh, appreciate what you do, and uh, always a great show, my man. All right. Well, I appreciate but that. Do you appreciate, I, do you appreciate right. what I do? Yeah, do you appreciate what Brandon does? All right, does? great. All right. Well, uh, keep up the uh, good work, and I will uh, be in the chat. All right. Thank you. All right. So he didn't want to answer you, Brandon, for some reason. See, Money just said if uh, – I just got a text from him. If you do a very <laughs> – a deep stack limit hold'em with no anti-tournament right now, he'll donate $500 if you play in the whole thing. <laughs> he loves these shows. No, I'm kidding. Uh, so but Anyhow, before uh, – I let you talk about what we're going to talk about. This is kind of, I think, just a mid. What are we actually? We're a week and two days into the series, and some. There's been a bunch of interesting developments. Yeah, and that's what I guess the focus of the show is going to be on. But uh, before we get to that, Jeff, I want to tell you about a little interesting occurrence that happened. I'm actually here now. Uh, for those that care, I'm at the Bellagio, and Druff is over at. Uh, is your phone off the hook, Druff? Oh, I'll take it off the hook right now. Yeah, I'm at the okay. Rio. Jeff's at the Rio, and I'm literally sitting in my suite. I'm looking right now at uh, the uh, Eiffel Tower, and I have a beautiful view of... I'm looking uh, right now at a parking lot and a roof. <laughs> and Planet Hollywood, and I can see the Cosmo. So anyhow, I went to dinner this evening with my dad uh, to the Hard Rock. There's a steakhouse there that I get some comps to that's really good. So we went there. I came home, and just from all the heat and everything, I wanted to take another shower today. So I took another shower. Get out of the shower, and uh, I have the uh, what do you call it? The TV in the shower going, you know, in the bathroom. So I don't really can't really hear anything. I walk out, and I am naked, and there is a Mexican older woman in my room, <laughs> and she was doing my turn down service. You know, they they do that here. Did you put a um, do not disturb up? And my do not disturb sign was indeed on. Oh my. And not only was my digital do not disturb sign on, they also give you a backup, which is the little, you know, old school paper one. So I had two of them. Wow. And I mean, this is just, there's no way you're going to get this, but it was so cute. What did, this was maybe like a 65 year old, I'd say Mexican. What did she say? What were her first words? And she did not speak English. Do you have any idea? Need service? No, she said, adios mio. <laughs> so, now I am. I'm not. I'm not going to say that you're a. Well, you know, what I will say you complain about a lot of things, Todd. And I'm not at the same level as you are, but still, yet that offended me enough that I had to make a phone call and say, "What's going on here? Okay, what is really going on with housekeeping in this city?" Well, what time was this at? This was at uh, seven forty-five at night. Okay. You know, the turndown service, they pull the covers, they put a chocolate, yeah. you know, on the bed, that that whole deal. Yeah. Which I appreciate that. But, you know, I, I don't, you know, I have the do not disturb sign on, so I don't want to be disturbed. So I called and uh, called VIP services, and it just rang, and it just rang, and it just rang, and it just rang. 
and no one answered. Or, you know, you are on hold and, you know, elevator music. So I went downstairs and I explained what just happened. And, of course, they were very apologetic. And, you know, then I'm thinking, shit, I don't want to get this woman fired. I know she's probably supporting, you know, raising her kids or grandkids, probably even her great grandkids. And, you know, it just although she should respect the do not disturb sign. Part of me is thinking I, I don't want to get this woman fired. I mean, she was very embarrassed. She was so apologetic. But still, like, I, you know, touch my my privacy, Druff. It, you know, yeah. it's, I mean, it just. <laughs> so, anyhow, uh, I got a supervisor and uh, I explained, you know, the situation. I said, look, I'm not bashful. I'm not shy. It's, I'm not going to sue you. I'm not, I don't feel violated, like, in a sense that I'm traumatized. But, you know, it, it, she did see my privacy. And, uh, you know, I feel like I should be compensated in some manner like that. This is, you know, this is a Bellagio now. So, uh, immediately, uh, the gentleman said, well, what, you know, do you feel like, what can we do to make this right? I mean, my room's already comped. Um, I'm also already on, you know, I have food, room and beverage, which I kind of didn't really realize at the time. I mean, I knew at the time, but I, what that wasn't in my mind. So I immediately just said, how about a thousand dollar credit to my room and we'll just let this go. Okay. And then he shot back, will you take 500? And I said, done. Wow. So now I have, and this is where it gets interesting. Now I have a $500 folio credit on my room uh shout out to peter dc and the interesting part is since i'm already booked under food room and beverage meaning that whenever i go you know to eat anything i just charge it to the room and it, it will be comped um i mean i imagine if it was something excessive where i charge you know thousands upon thousands of dollars it probably won't be but for my meals my sandwiches you know buffets sushi whatever it, it, they're going to take care of it so then i think to myself well what what am i supposed to do then Jeff, what do I? What would you do? That's, I mean, you that's a tough. I know, that's a tough one. Um, I've I had this before. I had a former this before actually. When I, I don't get these baller comps like you do, but uh, I I was I had this before where I was by myself and something happened on like the final night, and I, I know what it was. It wasn't even at a casino. It was on my Hawaii trip that the AC broke down, which is brutal in Hawaii, if you can imagine. So when we came back from being out all day and we came back pretty late at night, the room is just like a sauna because the AC had been broken. And then that sounds like my previous room at the Rio. Yeah. Yeah. But even worse than that. So I mean, they couldn't, they couldn't even fix it. It was a big fail. So the problem was I was, uh, I was going to be checking out the next day. And, uh, and I said, well, uh, they said, well, we can give you a free breakfast tomorrow. I'm like, look, I've got to get on an early flight. We don't have time to eat breakfast. Like I, I couldn't take any food comp. And uh, so I actually was able to get them to take like two hundred dollars off the room. So that that was right. That was nice. But uh, but it, when you had the room and the food, that's uh, that's especially difficult. Maybe you can ask them if they can send a prostitute to the room or something and pay for it. Maybe that's what you should do. So the only thing I could think of to get rid of this five hundred dollar credit is I am having some motherfucking expensive vitamin waters and. Gatorades. I am rating this big ass. I had some. I had my first eighteen dollar uh, thing of cashews today, Druff. <laughs> so I mean, that's the only thing I could think of. What else could I do with it? Well, here's a question: uh, Is there a way it could be forwarded to another trip? Just tell them no, honestly. That no, I asked. I asked, and they're like, they told me they're not able to do that. Jeez. They're like, yeah, you know. So I'm not. You know, I wasn't going to argue. I'm like, okay, I'll I'll figure something out. So I'm just going through the mini bar every time I'm thirsty. I'm drinking a uh, uh, what do they have? Aquafina water. I'm you know. But d- doesn't d- there. D- doesn't that get covered also by your RFB? <laughs> it, it probably does, but I, I don't know what else to do. 
I mean, you know, normally I, I am not of the type of person, that even if they, you know, give me food room and, and beverage, I don't take advantage of it. I'm not going to, you know, I wouldn't like just start charging four or $500 meals. I did that when Peter DC got me the room and ironically enough, I ended up paying for it. But, uh, I, I'm, I, you know, I, I'm always fair. You know, I don't go, I, I, you know, I'm not greedy. I'll just eat what I normally would eat. I, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't want to take advantage because I know they note that stuff. And, you know, for the next time I come, I, I want, you know, actually the way it really works is they give me an allowance. That's basically how it works. Like I already, I, I'm not, well, I guess I could say it. So when I, when I say food room and beverage, I guess that's kind of misleading. Um, for this trip while I'm here, uh, I have $1,500 to spend. Wow. That's, what that's a I'm, lot. I've never had that in my life. Yeah. Wow. So that's 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 what I am given. Oh, and but I've noticed just from talking to my host and other things, if I abuse it, then it, it could be less next time. If you know, so anyhow, I, I I you know I don't go crazy with it. But so anyhow, besides that, I do have this five hundred dollar credit, and the only thing I'm not a, I'm not a big drinker. I drink scotch, and and I do that maybe five or six times a year. I'll have a drink. I don't drink a lot anymore. Um, so I, I have no need for the uh, overpriced bottle of champagne or to order Cristal or anything like that. So the only thing I can really think of is just the mini bar. I mean, I'm probably not going to go through the $1,500 in food they allotted me here. You yeah. know, maybe I will, but I, I doubt it. I mean, you know. Yeah, so anyhow. I, I guess it kind of sucked. There was really no way to. Uh, yeah. And I don't know what else to ask for. I mean, I have a beautiful suite what, here. What about the gift it, shop? Oh, well, you know, I didn't even think about that. Maybe I'll, I mean. There's not much there. I mean, you know. Yeah, I like know a, it's only, but, but it's better than like nothing. A, yeah, I know. Yeah, I don't. I'm not going to be sporting around a, a Bellagio, uh, you know, golf shirt that costs 129. dollars So, but you know what? That's a good idea. I can make. They do have some like nice bath products and some things in there. Maybe I can find some value in there. I can ask yeah. if I can use that. Maybe because, yeah, tell them. Just tell them the truth that you have 500. Because yeah. I mean, I'm already going you. through the gummy bears, Druff. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's, it's... I, I should have done radio over there tonight. I'm. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. It's it's a la carte over here at the Gerson Suite. Jeez. So, but anyhow, I called Todd about uh, I don't know maybe 20 minutes ago, and I said, you know what, buddy, you tired? You, you you feel like doing radio for an hour or two? And of course, as Druff mentioned, he uh, he's playing tomorrow. I am not playing tomorrow. We'll get to that later. And I just, I was reading about this cheating scandal and just all these other things. I'm thinking, you know what? We are a radio show. This is, well, Druff has a radio show. We are in the World Series. Let's just do like a week recap, a spur of the moment thing. People seem to love this stuff. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was a good idea. And by the way, to show you the difference, the, the haves and have nots here of, uh, of radio co hosts. So Brandon has $1,500 food allowance. He has $500 on top of that. He's eating gummy bears. He's eating $18 cashews. In the meantime, over here, uh, how are we broadcasting this radio show? Well, oh, on, the, on the previous show, I was using the Rio Internet. But on this radio show, uh, for reasons I won't get into. For, well, you can tell if you want no, to tell. I, I'm not, I'm not going to get into them. But, okay, uh, okay, okay. But uh, I'm, I don't have Rio Internet tonight. I, I will have it tomorrow. I don't have it tonight. So I was actually tethering my phone to browse the Internet, which actually worked pretty well. And I thought, hey, I wonder if I can tether my phone to do radio as well. Like, I wonder if it can actually handle that. And I, I wasn't sure, so I decided to try it. And apparently, it works. I don't know how the sound quality is. I have to imagine it's decent. I don't think anybody's... Actually, I haven't gotten in the chat room yet, but yeah. This you sound is actually great being, on Skype. Okay, so this is being broadcast right now over the AT&T cell phone network. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> that's... 
I I don't know if I've ever done that before. I think maybe once I did it. But uh, the, the, here's the really sad thing, though. It's not that I can't have Rio Internet. It's that I'm too cheap to pay for Rio Internet. <laughs> and it's $14.99. I'm too cheap to pay for that. And to make things even worse, I have about $2,500 worth of rewards credits on my total rewards card that I could use to pay for this Internet, and I'm still refusing to pay. <laughs> So I'm not just cheap with my money. I'm cheap with my reward credits. I got $2,500 in rewards credits, and I will not pay $15 for the Internet. Instead, I am using my phone, tethering it to do this broadcast. That's, that's what a high-budget operation we have here. So I'm glad at least one person's living well tonight. Come over here. We got the Internet. I'm about to go into the macadamia nuts uh, at, at the halfway point of the show. I mean, I, vitamin I, waters. I guess tonight you don't need a, a, a smoothie. I, tonight you're you're set. And... You know what, Druff? Just tell them what I did for you yesterday. We went and had dinner. Druff picked me up. What did I bring you, Druff? Oh, this is very oh, sweet. I, I picked up Brandon at the Bellagio, and he brought me a contoured bottle of Coke. <laughs> it was very nice. And actually, the, I, I miss drinking from bottles. This was an aluminum bottle, but it's like a it's a contoured bottle. It kind of looks like in the old style, except it's uh, it's aluminum. But one thing that's nice about those bottles is that it, it keeps it a lot colder. Like, I noticed these bottles stay colder than the cans. So it really does taste better when it's really cold. And back in the old days, and I mean the very old days, mostly before I was born, when people would drink Coke, they would drink it out of a glass bottle. And it actually tasted a lot better. And I noticed that when I went to other countries where glass bottle Coke was common. So, anyway... Let's get There's to the a lot to talk about. We're uh, yeah, let's we're get... eight days into the World Series, and already there there really is a lot to talk about. Yeah, I, I knew there would be. There always seems to be. I, I was thinking this before the World Series. Like, I wonder if there's going to be things that happen that are newsworthy, or if it's just going to be a boring series. But no, we already have things that are happening. The biggest story right now is the cheating allegation regarding a gentleman named Valeriu Coca, not Coke, but Coca. And, and not Coco. But this involves the $10,000 buy-in, no-limit-hold'em, heads-up event. And what people think, and I think from reading these reports, I believe them, that Valerie Ukoka, who has been banned from other casinos before... In the Czech Republic, is that correct? Yeah. Uh, okay. That he was cheating by using some sort of card marking. So I'm going to read you guys the post that was on 2 Plus 2 from uh, his first victim, and and then we'll make our comments about it. It's, there's a few oddities to this story, which we'll get to after it, but this is what the guy wrote. This is a guy named uh, Connor Dreenan. I tweeted to him when this happened if he wants to come on this show, and he just didn't respond to me. I hate when people just blow me off like this. But anyway, I'm going to cover it nonetheless. He wrote, We, the players that were beaten by Valerie Ukoka, were trying to keep things quiet until we gave the World Series of Poker adequate time to investigate the situation and come up with a solution. But since there was a lot of rumors circulating, and a lot of people know bits and pieces already, I might as well clear things up. Pratyush Budiga was the first to lose to him. He's my good friend, but seemed pretty tilted, so I didn't ask details until I found out that he, meaning uh, Coco, was his next opponent. I 
asked for reads and whatnot. He basically told me he was really slow and passive in the beginning and then picked up the pace as the match went on as far as speed of play and aggression. He thought he was stalling in the beginning to give himself a better shot to win at a higher blind level. He said he would stall by rechecking his cards at a bunch of different angles when it was clear he made up his mind to fold already. So, so the, you know, his opponent just thought that this guy just stalled a lot at the beginning to d- kind of force them to the higher blinds, which is easier to play if you're the less skilled of the two players at the table. It's the hardest part in No Limit Holdings to play post-flop. He went on to write, He did the same thing in my match. The first For the first ten hands or so, he folded to most of my button opens and either limped or folded the button, doing the same obnoxious card-checking tactics. I was thinking, man, this guy's going to be a breeze. From that point on, I won very few pots for the rest of the match. Every time I had a good starting hand, he folded. If I had a bad one, he raised or re-raised. If I whiffed a flop, he attacked my continuation bets. If I whiffed and went for a delayed continuation bet, he blasted the turn into me every time. If I hit and bet, he folded. If I hit and checked, he checked, etc., etc., etc. This sounds a lot like the super users, like Grey Cat and uh, Pot Ripper back in the day. It was probably the most frustrating match of my life, and I've t- played a ton of heads up. He grinded me down to 80k from 240k starting. At this point, I was playing super passive as his aggression was out of control. I made my first button raise in a while, which was a shove with pocket threes, and he snapped me off clean. They didn't write the clean part. I added that. With with uh, with King Five offsuit for twenty big bets, or big blinds, I guess. Uh, I I held, and won my only significant pot of the match. But he went back to work grinding me down to sixty k, and then won a flip to end the match. I remember him folding four times total pre-flop once blinds got big. Number one, he walked me when I had AA, meaning you know he just folded to him. Two, he folded to my min raise when he had when I had Ace Jack suited. Three, I capped my cards, meaning he was blocking his cards. This is the uh, the guy writing this. Uh, for him, Waited for him to look at his cards first for the first time in the match as I was starting to get really skeptical. He acted surprised and flustered and walked me before I uncovered my hand. Four, after checking my whole cards, Jack-9 offsuit, I think, I looked behind me to see if there was a chance he had a friend on the rail who could see my cards, but there was no way. He seemed very weirded out that I did that and again walked me. I stormed out of the Rio as tilted as I've ever been after busting a tournament and immediately messaged Pratt saying that I felt like something major was off with the match. It didn't make sense that the guy grinding 300 euro MTTs in Eastern Europe who's never played a World Series before would come here for the 10K heads up and be such a beast. I ran that, to... That, that Phil Helmuth, you warned him about those Eastern Europeans. That's They're right. <laughs> Phil Helmuth, he, find that Find that clip if you can at some point. <laughs> I, I ranted to Pratt all the things that were weird both mannerisms and the plays he made versus me. Pratt said he felt the exact same about his match, but didn't say anything at first because he figured he'd just be a sore loser and got owned. I then messaged the other two players that he beat. Matt Marafiati. It's always him for some reason. Somehow he's always involved, whether victim or perpetrator. Uh, and Adam Mermelstein, probably a Jew. And they both had a similar, yeah, I felt totally owned, couldn't win a pot, things, uh, things he was doing with his cards were really weird, etc. type responses. I called my other good friend, Byron Caverman, and warned him about everything as they were scheduled to play in the next round of 16 the next morning. We figured we should also tell Jack Effel that they could be on the lookout, they should be on the lookout. Byron said he knew Jack well, so we talked to him. I went to bed questioning myself and wondering if I was just being a sore loser. I then woke up this morning, and on Facebook I had a message from a Czech friend of mine that read, Hey man, just woke up and found out you were heads up with a guy who made a lot of money in cash games in Prague. He was banned in Czech poker casinos for cheating. 
guy was marking cards. We can talk in person a little bit later when I'm on uh, sit and goes in the Rio, and you can forward to the floor players, etc. I instantly passed this along to Byron. He said that Jack was on it, and they were monitoring him via cameras and also switching up the decks frequently. My friend also sent me this article, which you have to translate to English with your browser. I spoke with Byron after the match, and he said he was 100% sure the guy was trying to cheat and was watching the cards very closely as the dealer dealt off the deck, but that he did a pretty good job covering his cards and the decks were being switched up, so it was hard for Coco to work his magic. Unfortunately, he couldn't fade an 80-20 in the guy advanced, so he's trying to say that the next player, um, it looked like Coco probably wasn't cheating because he wasn't able to, but uh, he won anyway because he got lucky. Unfortunately, uh, sorry, at this point, Coca probably knew he had been exposed based on the attention the matches were receiving from the floor. Uh, his next opponent, Keith Lear, was also warned about Coca. Keith Lear ended up winning the whole thing, by the way. Uh, he finally lost to Keith in fifth place. Our speculation is that he was using some sort of invisible ink in combination with special sunglasses. We haven't heard much from the World Series since the match, but with little I've heard, I would rather keep to myself for now and allow the World Series time to finish the investigation and make their own statement. And then his friend, Pratush, I'm not going to read that, but uh, he basically posted backing everything up. So he- here's my comments about it, and then, Brandon, you can give your reaction. And then we'll, we'll also read you the comments from uh, the World Series, that they've made some statements to Poker News on this. And Coca has made some statements to Poker News. Here's my comments, though, before all that. First off, I, I really think there needs to be a cooperative effort for every major tournament venue around the world to ban all players who were caught cheating. So if you were caught cheating at one poker room, and you were banned from, then you should be banned from all tournaments, and maybe even all poker rooms. This would solve the problem of these scumbags hopping from one casino to another in order to keep running the same scam. Or at the very least, the information of each person banned should be transmitted to all tournament directors of major venues, and then they can decide what they're going to do based upon the reports they receive. But at least everyone should be aware. Like, a, like if Jack Ethel was receiving and reading reports on banned cheaters at other tournaments around the world, then he could make the decision, and it should be his job to make the decision, we're going to allow this guy or we're not going to allow this guy. And it's perfectly legal for them to ban players based upon just the belief that they're cheaters. You don't have to prove it. You can just say, we don't want you here. It's every casino's right to refuse service to anyone. Second, I believe that Coca was cheating. What I don't understand here I'll get your comment on this, Brandon, after I say this. Why didn't Coca call the floor? Or not Coca. Why, why didn't Connor call the floor when this happened? The, you know, the guy who's writing about this. And immediately ask them to inspect the cards. They say, halt this. Something's really weird. I think this guy's cheating. Can you please check the cards out for me? Now, even if he was afraid to do it because he thought he'd look like a sore loser and he is the heat of the moment, why didn't he at least afterwards report it, and why weren't they confiscating the cards immediately in the next match and testing them? Why, why was it a sort of thing like, we're just going to watch him and, hey, cover your cards? Like, why is this even necessary? There should be, once they suspect the guy and he plays the next match, it should be very easy to stop this immediately. And, and, and Real Talk just brought up a point that it was interesting. Um, Kev Math retweeted from somebody that supposedly had been playing uh, open face Chinese within the last five hours and got killed by him. And so he's still in Vegas, and I don't know if he's playing that at the Rio or here at Bellagio or where, but he's still apparently in Vegas. <laughs> yeah, uh, he is actually. I'll, I'll, I'll read a Poker News article where he just responded. And and uh, also, 
yeah, I just don't understand. I mean, back to the main point. What? Why was this? Why did this take until like the fifth match, long after they suspected what was going on, to actually look into this? I guess the World Series is looking at cards now, but it's it's at this at that point it was already clear what was happening, and and it was made clear to him by everybody acting all paranoid. So he stopped doing it. So I, it's probably not going to yield anything. And the the time to do it is they should have gone to the tournament director either during it while it was happening. They should have said halt. Hang on, let's check out these cards. Let's halt the whole thing. But I mean, is that is it like baseball, where somebody can say, "Hey, come out here and inspect the ball," or you know, inspect the pitcher? I, I, I would mean, say, if someone said that. Would they really? I, I would say, since you have the you should have the right to change the deck, you can call the floor over. Say, I'm strongly suspecting for such and such reasons this guy's cheating. Can you please take this deck out of play, put another one in, and start and 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 then inspect the one you took out? Right. But and and if again if Connor didn't feel comfortable doing this while he was playing because he was afraid he'd just be accused of being a sore loser. He was just imagining things. Afterwards, he was definitely very suspicious. And when he talked to his buddy, who had played before him against the same guy, then he became super suspicious, and rightfully so. At that point, there should have been like an undercover sting operation where no one is alerted to this and let this coca guy do it a third time and then immediately stop it and pull the deck and see what's going on. Here, they acted all paranoid, and Coca realized that they knew what was going on and started playing normally and stopped marking cards. So, so the he won the he won the next match because he got lucky, not because he was marking any cards. And then the one after that he lost. So, uh, he also, by the way, was the day one chip leader at the EPT Monaco in April. So, hmm. I, I by the way, Mason Malamuth just created a thread on two plus two saying that you're a disgrace, Todd for taking full credit for investigating and coming to a conclusion in the Coca scandal. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't don't understand the way these guys worked. They they tipped off the criminal. They they, they had the perfect chance to catch him. Now, you may think, well, at least Coca hasn't been paid and maybe he will never be paid. Well, I don't know about that. Now, do you know during these – I've never played in any uh, World Series of Poker heads-up tournament – do you know during pushes, like in normal tournaments, are they changing decks? Uh, I, I've never played a heads-up tournament either. I don't know if so I know, like, in every tournament I've played so far, they are they are constantly changing the deck. So they probably are, but he probably just remarks them or something. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, the they reached him. Poker News reached him. He doesn't speak English. He's from Moldovia. Oh, Moldavia, not Moldavia, Moldavia. Moldavia. He doesn't speak English, but he spoke through an interpreter. So this is what he said while he was actually laughing. This is a fantasy, he said, laughing. The players who lost are very good, so they don't they just don't believe they could lose to me for an honest reason. <laughs> So he's just saying there's there's so much better than me. They're just arrogant to think that they couldn't lose to a regular guy like me. Now he claims that he has not been informed by the World Series that they're investigating and that he's already collected his fifty four thousand five hundred forty five dollars in fifth place prize money. He says I don't even know how it's, they think it's possible. I have no way of marking cards or any other tricks. <laughs> yeah, except the fact that he was already banned from marking cards from from the Czech Republic. He says, this is not... Well, and ironically enough, and we can get to this, there was a post that I read, and someone in the chat just, just uh, 
wrote about it, and I've not investigated. I know nothing about it other than I read it. But there was some statements that the person that won the uh, event was a proven card cheat as well. Really? They asked him, the guy, this Lear, they asked him if he uh, thought the guy was cheating. He said yes. Even the guy who beat him said he thought he was cheating. If, if someone in the chat can post the link, I read that on 2 Plus 2, and I don't know where the other wow. person, but apparently maybe if you can find an article about it, but I found that amazing too that, that it was stated <laughs> that he was actually proven. And just to, to get back on what you said earlier, um, you would think that, I mean, the technology is there to have a database of people that have been convicted, uh, proven, um, you know, for cheating in card rooms. And I'm not even talking about just blackjack or, you know, things like that, that they wouldn't be allowed in any room. I mean, it's just the same. The logic is, for example, when you get a marker in Las Vegas or, or anywhere, uh, there's a database that is connected through basically every casino not only in the U.S., but in the Caribbean and Europe. And it will show, and, you know, the, the various casinos have, have, in conjunction with each other, have worked together to do this, to to help each other. And it will show a pay, or it will show how much a patron has outstanding uh, balance at various casinos. So, say, hypothetically, I went through 50K in markers at, at, uh, in Vegas, and I didn't pay any of them back. And I just hopped on a flight to Atlantic City, and I went to get a marker from the cage. It would show that I have that much out in Vegas. And the reason why they do that is people that are close to bankruptcy, people that uh, may be you know, facing criminal charges, may flee the country, whatever it may be, or just so desperate they need to get their money back. If they see a pattern that this guy has markers out all over town and they're not, they haven't been paid, you know, it's suspicious you know patterns like that they will refuse to give that patron a marker so and, and every and i know this for a fact i mean i'm not you know making this up I, I this technology was available when i last worked in a casino uh over a decade ago and it's like again it's used to protect casinos from people that are just showing patterns that they're just uh in such a downswing that they're just desperate that uh you know they have reason to believe that the, the patron isn't going to pay just to protect themselves and if you see such a pattern you know, the, the casinos will refuse to give you a marker. They'll say, well, you have too many outstanding, uh, you know, balances right now. You know, we're not going to extend you any credit or we'll, we'll say we'll give you only half of your line or a quarter of your line, et cetera, et cetera. So the technology is there, you know, for yeah. all casinos to communicate with information like that. So I don't I agree in today's day and age uh, there should be something. And I'm not saying someone like, you know, Marty in Delaware. I don't you know. I mean, do you think Marty should be allowed in a casino? Because of the uh, tournament when he chip dumped. Oh, <laughs> no, I'm, I, that was a bad joke. Yeah, yeah. But, no, no, but like, in all seriousness, no, you, you bring up a good point. And what I don't understand here is I've even seen it before where tournament directors. I remember Blasio was guilty of this, where they were warned about a frequent cheater, like that uh, Ali. Uh, what was his name? Tech something. Yep, I know you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. He he played in a Bellagio tournament. He was caught cheating several times, red-handed, in Europe. And people went to the Bellagio and said, don't let him play here. And the Bellagio says, oh, well, he hasn't cheated here yet. That, they shouldn't have that attitude. Now, what I don't understand is they're just asking for trouble. Why not ban these people when it's clear they're cheaters, even if they, they didn't cheat at this particular casino? Why not ban them? Do you think there's going to be anyone, aside from the close friends of these cheaters, they are going to go, damn it, you're violating their rights. Cheaters should have a right to play again. No one's going to say that. There's not going to be any outrage. It's, 
It's the same thing, though, like in the pits, which is it's very hypocritical. If somebody cheats at, at blackjack, I'm not just talking about card counting. If you mark the cards, if you do something what's called post-betting, which I'm sure you know what that mm-hmm. is. That's when you have a bet down and you win a hand. Like you have a, a, a $100, $25 bet, and then either you're, someone distracts a dealer before they notice and pay you, and then you palm and you put another chip or a big size chip down under your bet. That's called post betting. And if you do that and you get caught, you're not going to be able to play in any casino in Las Vegas. You won't be able to. That's, I mean, but for poker, for some reason, they don't use that same protocol. I mean, and I'm not talking about people that have been alleged to be cheaters. I agree that, you know, just being alleged it shouldn't bar anybody from anywhere. But if you've been proven, you've been convicted, you know, you, you, the evidence is yeah, just yeah. If you've been banned, if you've been banned from casinos from cheating, not just people are accusing you, but if a, a casino anywhere has banned you for cheating in poker, you should not be able to play tournaments anywhere or play poker anywhere. And at the very least, if you don't want that, at the very least, the information should be made available to tournament directors of all major tournaments, who then should inspect this information before deciding what to do with the person. But the, it shouldn't just be. You haven't done it here, so you can play. Yeah, I agree. I don't get it. I don't understand. I, I think. Well, you know, I, I I do understand to the degree to the degree that in general, card rooms, poker rooms, they treat us like we're second rate citizens because we don't bring in money, and we don't seem to get that same protection that that you know other parts of casinos get, whether it's slot cheats, blackjack cheats. Um, you know, we are treated like second rate citizens, Druff. You know that. Don't yeah, you? I know that. Of course. Yeah. So uh, it's 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 mind boggling. And again, reading all this, you know, you would think and and we're not going to convict the guy here. You know, we don't know. Um, But what do you make of the fact that if you were him, say you did hypothetically do the things he's been accused of, wouldn't you think he would have and he's already been paid that he would have hightailed it out of town? Yeah, I mean, it's very strange how arrogant he is that he's still here playing. But uh... well, it's either he's arrogant or he's innocent. I mean, there's those. <laughs> are, that's really it. There's no other. There's there's no in between. You know, it's either utter arrogance or, or I guess it could be stupidity or he's innocent. Because but, I would think any criminal, you know, he has that kind of money. I mean, that's a you know, that's also criminal. It's not even just okay. I'm going to get banned from the real. I mean, I don't know. Uh, you know, whatever the actual term. Uh oh. Nevada gaming agents would come and arrest him. I'm sorry. Yeah, you know, we we lost connection for a second, but uh, look, it's uh, you know, I I think that uh, yeah, you're right. It, it is a criminal offense, and I, I think he believes it's not he just got... a bannable offense like counting cards. I mean, that's theft. It's 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 theft. It's uh, I mean, what's the other term for? Um, uh... Don't know, but it's possible he's not leaving because he he wants to play further tournaments elsewhere, <laughs> including this one, and and he feels he got away with it. And if he just hightails high it out of here immediately, then it's going to look obvious. So he's going to just stall a little bit before leaving, and then yeah. uh, and then quote leave on his own terms. So it looks like everything is just normal. If he cuts the trip short, then it looks bad. Now he's taking a chance they arrest him, but uh, maybe he thinks he got away with it. Maybe he thinks they would have busted him already if they had caught him, and maybe he knows that. Since they didn't catch and, maybe if he knows he wasn't cheating the day that they were really watching him and took the decks, then he has nothing to worry about. And the other thing, and please uh, forgive me if you mentioned this. I was I was looking at the macadamia nuts. Did you mention what stakes he supposedly played back home? 
someone said in the in the post it was mentioning that it was 300 euros that he was playing for. Yeah, I mean, he was a very small-time player um, and also a losing player, according to the Post. However, they looked up that information, and that was another oddity that, you know, never played in the WSOP before, losing player, played very small limits, and then he's all of a sudden in a 10K in what's arguably one of the toughest tournaments. You know, I think you'd agree. It's arguably one of the toughest tournaments in all the World Series. Yes, it is. Yeah. I mean, I I, it's... I I think with, with, with... Five different people saying that they noticed the same weird play styles with him and the same weird things about uh, um, how he doesn't fold. He doesn't uh, look at his cards until you look at yours and uh, all these other weird things he was doing. And everybody reported the same thing. And the fact that he was actually banned from a casino recently for card marking. So it's not just they're picking a guy out of nowhere that ran hot and blaming him. Now, 2 plus 2, it's such a mess. You go read that thread, and it devolved into an argument of whether or not they should have the right to call this guy out publicly, given everything that they've come up with, and that uh, the people calling him out could be sued for libel. (laughs) I, I don't think it's very likely that a Moldavian cheater who was banned from another casino this year for card marking is being accused on the internet for card marking in this one. I don't think that lawsuit is going to have a lot of merit. Yeah. So let me, so let me ask. Uh, I just started. I read about this last night on Twitter before I went to bed. I read more about it today. Do you know right now where this stands? The process. Do they have cards that were in play? Are they well? Okay. So I'll, I'll, announced anything? Is there any official statement? These are the statements right now. These are from uh, – we have some statements from the World Series on this that they gave to Poker News. So uh, let me get to those, uh, and I will read them. There's actually several people involved with the uh, World Series. Oops, sorry about that. So uh, several statements I'm going to read to you from various people. This is from – Seth Polanski, who uh, who uh, confirmed that the World Series of Poker is investigating. Seth, of course, is the VP of Corporate Communications for the World Series. This is what he had to say about it. Why is this not working? Here we go. That's kind of anticlimactic. Is that Drew, actually... uh, real fast? Don't look, you're not. Are you looking at the chat right now? No. Don't, don't look at the chat. Okay. Yeah. You owe me a uh, uh, a hamburger. I and do. A Pepsi. Yeah. I will give you a free roll if you can answer this question right. Okay. You will not owe me anything. And okay. you don't If you get it wrong, you don't. It's the okay, same. It's thing. a free roll. Free go, roll. go ahead. Coco, do you know who is favorite? Wu Tang Clan. Do you, do you even know? Do you know the Wu Tang Clan draft at all? I've heard of them. I, I don't really know them very well. No. Old Dirty Bastard. Yeah. You know, I know yeah. him, but I really I don't know the rest of them. Okay. Do you want to know whose favorite member was? No. Oh, okay. It's, I would have to guess it'd be the member called Inspector Deck. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay. Go, go on, please. All right. So, so he. Uh, 
uh, so this is what Seth Polanski said. We take these types of allegations very seriously, and an investigation began immediately upon learning them. It is ongoing. Preliminary testing of the card show no markings or use of any foreign solution. We will have no further comments until our investigation is complete. We must ensure that we don't divulge anything that has ramifications on any of our security measures. Uh, so I think the key part here is that immediately upon learning them, they investigated, and that preliminary testing shows nothing. Well, they learned too late is the problem. These players sat around gossiping like little schoolgirls instead of going to the World Series and say, hey, I think this guy's cheating. Let's let's set up a sting on him. He's got a next match. Watch him real closely, but don't let him know you're watching him. And then pop him while he's doing this funny behavior. Grab the deck. Switch it out. And test that deck. But instead they gossiped like schoolgirls. And they acted strangely. And he realized that they were onto him. And he stopped cheating. He wasn't that stupid. So I think he's going to get away with it. Because the, the, the affected players did not go to the World Series in time. That's what it looks like to me. This is what Jack Effel said. We are aware, monitoring very closely with all resources at our disposal. Those include surveillance, security, and forensic examination of cards. We take integrity very seriously as evidenced by our lifetime bans and would enjoy nothing more than to catch a cheater in our midst. So, uh, by the way, the surveillance is never very good in these poker rooms. It's never very clear. Again, it's not like what they have at the blackjack table. In my history of playing live poker, every time there's been some sort of debate, whether it was involved with someone accusing someone of stealing chips or a pot not being right, whatever it is, and it's had to go to a camera, I've always heard the same answer. You couldn't tell from the view of the camera, which means either the camera's not working or it's, it's so outdated that it's just not crystal clear enough to see. Um, I don't think that any of these modern-day casinos spend anywhere near the, the type of money for the technology that they do for, you know, cameras over blackjack tables, craps tables, and other areas of the casino. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it's just it's always the same thing. We couldn't tell. We couldn't see anything. I don't think the cameras worked, Ruff. <laughs> the only time a camera ever played into anything for me was one time I was at Commerce, and I was playing uh, some, I think 200, 400. It was some white chip game where the white chips are 100 each. And some obnoxious Asian woman sitting to my left, I had a stack next to me, and she said it was her stack, and I put it, and I had taken it for myself, and it was totally not true. And I, and when I said it's not true, she got really nasty with me and started yelling at me, called the floor man over, said I'm a thief. So they went and checked the cameras, and uh, you know either they couldn't find anything and just lied about it, or they uh, really saw it, but they came back and said no, it was his, and they backed me up. And I told her to apologize, and she she refused, of course, and was still nasty to me. But uh, so you basically think from from the, that statement, uh, they the ship sailed. Yeah, they, they shit the bed. It's it's nothing's going to come of this. Yes, I think I think they're trying a last ditch attempt to see if uh, they really, really, really inspect it closely, if they can find anything. Okay. But I, I think it's a fail. I think they I think they have the deck that he used against. That lure guy, and, and when he lost, or I mean, they didn't say which decks, but I have a feeling it's none of the decks that were being you know, marked. You know what's amazing, and and tell me if you think this way. When I am uh, not online poker, I mean that's obviously a, a different animal. But when I'm playing in tournaments, 
uh, especially tournaments, the last thing that's on my mind, and of course I, I, you know, I protect my cards. I don't, you know, if someone is standing behind me talking to their buddy and it seems just a little like they're too long, I'll tell them to move away. But the last thing I ever really think about when I'm playing a tournament is, am I being cheated? Is this on the up and up? Yeah, I don't, I don't think I that don't, either. I don't think about it. It never yeah. comes into my mind that cards could be marked or there could be any other sort of, uh, you know, just angle anyone is taking, you know, in terms of, of cheating. I never think about it. Cash games, yeah. I mean, you know, it's notorious. Commerce has that reputation for collusion and kind of, you know, if you if you are a professional, you should know. You know, some of the telltale signs to look for. And if you feel a game is not on the up and up, then you know what? You get up and you leave. You know, even if you can't prove it, you feel uncomfortable. And I've done that before at Congress. I don't know if you ever have, but I've been in a game, you know, just with eight other Asians that are all talking to each other and they all seem like friends. And I feel like I'm getting forced out of the pot. And yeah, it just and then, then, they right. check, then they check down after you fold. It's my of favorite. course. <laughs> and I can't prove it. And there's, I know there's nothing I could do. So what do I do? I just rack up and I leave, you know, or I move to another game. But when I'm in a tournament, that's the last thing I'm thinking that it's not on the up and up. I mean, do you ever think that? No, I don't. And I think the reason people don't suspect this is because in tournaments you can't pick where you sit. So in cash games, a, a bunch of Asians can sit together and and uh, collude with each other. Not just Asians, you know, anybody. Commerce, it's Asians typically. But uh, you know, anybody who wants to cheat, they can bring their friends and all sit at the same table. A tournament, you don't get to pick where you sit. So you just assume, okay, I'm with randomly placed strangers. There's no way I could be cheated. But you can. Here's an example. But I don't think about it either. Here's yeah. what uh, Ty Stewart said. He's the executive director of the World Series. He's really the top guy at the World Series. Basically, the chain of command of the World Series is uh, top is uh, Ty Stewart. Uh, Jack Effel is below him, and Seth Polanski is below him. And so uh, Seth is the one who communicates with the public the most, but he's, he's more like the number three guy at the World Series. So this is what uh, Ty said. We would love to catch cheats and hand out justice, he said on Twitter. We were pretty on top of this situation with every measure we have in our bag of tricks, which is not good to disclose and it's important for players to know that we don't tell the cheats some of the ways we have to catch them. But let's be clear. If we have evidence of a cheat in action, we're going to act very swiftly. Our team would like nothing more. I believe them. I believe that if they had caught him, if they, if they caught the guy with the cards at the time, they probably would have been able to prove it and, and get rid of him. But... Uh, Provided he was marking it in some way, and it wasn't some other way he was cheating. But uh, that's probably what he was doing, is marking cards. And uh, they probably could have caught it and proven it and booted him. And I believe they would have. Uh, the World Series does take action when things are brought to their attention that are shady, that are happening there. Like, if you remember last year, this is not cheating, but there was that floor man who was demanding bribes to start sit-and-goes. And if you didn't bribe him, he'd just sit and... You know, not start the game for yeah, 45 you know minutes. The irony, do you remember who started that thread? Yes, PSU Mike, uh, the, the yes. airport scammer. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, uh, you know, Seth Polanski personally emailed me and said, we fired the guy. He's gone. We don't allow that here. So they took action. And also, just, just uh, to just throw in this information people might find interesting, uh, that was a huge, huge scandal that went on at the Bellagio where I'm staying for years as well. And they actually revamped and fired a lot of longtime employees. Uh, you're, you're aware of that, correct, Jeff? What happened there? Uh, when was this? Oh, this was maybe about four years ago or so, where half the foreman, at least, especially in the high limit room, were on the take. And if even if there's a massive waiting list, if you wanted to give them enough money, they'd 
put you right up front. Yeah, I, I, I knew about the bribes there, and there's bribes of commerce, too. Yeah. That's, yeah. I didn't know people got fired there, though. I just knew it was Oh, going yeah. They, uh, there are a lot of long-term employees that were let go for that. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, was, was, that, was that at we'll... the same time that they fired the uh, the director of the room? Yes. It was in that same time period. Yes, sir. That's okay. correct. Yeah, that guy was a terrible director. That guy was yeah. really like a, one of these like old-school Vegas shade balls that just think, thought he could do anything he wanted. So. Yeah. So, yeah, that's... Uh, Anyway, I I don't blame the World Series for this. I, I blame the players for not taking it to them in time. If you are being cheated in a live tournament, if you suspect it, then you need to go and report it. You know, the sad thing is this is obviously probably going to get mainstream news and then a lot of people that you know, just follow poker, but don't play in the World Series, or you're going to read about it. It's, it really is a black eye for poker. I mean, it's bad. You know, it's not. You know, it's. You know, you could have uh, five more weeks of just a, a, a well-run series, and this is going to be something that kind of overshadows all that. Yeah, I know, and especially with the guy getting away with it, probably. If, if at least if they caught him, and it, it would be a story like you try to cheat, you get caught, and uh, the World Series keeps you safe. Here, he's probably going to get away with it. And and it's not even the World Series' fault that he does get away with it. Yeah, and if anyone's interested, uh, you know, as much as I don't like pimping uh, the uh, Nazi site, they actually do have some pictures that were taken of him um, on, on on that thread. So if anyone wanted to see what he looked like, well, no, we have uh, it in our thread. We don't need to go to two plus two. Are there any pictures posted? There's a picture on the scam oh, scandals no. and shadiness thread on Poker Pro Alerts. There's a picture. Okay. One, I, I posted apologies. a picture of him. Okay. Yeah. Then don't don't go over there. Then then don't go to two plus two. It's a terrible yeah. site. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I got it from the Poker Stars blog because he was the day one A leader there in April, and he probably cheated again there. Yeah, at the EPT Monaco. So uh, Haley Hintz said she wrote a report on this on FleshDraw.net. So she always does good articles. So you can check that out as well. But it's a Pretty bad situation, and I think it should be a lesson. In, instead of gossiping like a schoolgirl, I mean, definitely collect the information. This this Connor guy was correct to go to everybody he played and and find out from them. But where they were not correct was to just warn each other. Okay, watch out for him next time. Cover your cards. No. Now, the only thing I am a little confused about is, and again, I, I briefly read the thread, but I was under the impression that in his last match, and correct me if I'm wrong, that Jack Ethel and and you know the rest of the guys. We're already made aware of it, and we're watching him. That, that no, the problem correct? was everybody was acting strange. Nobody they they were. Th- this was not a very good undercover operation. Oh, okay. Everybody acted strange. Everybody talked about it. Everybody was. Let me get back to the part we wrote about this. Uh, that. So it was a very piss poor sting, is what you're saying. Yes, it was a terrible sting. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. The, the, so this Byron guy who played the next time. After after they had, uh, I guess what happened is after he had talked to Matt Marafiati and this Aaron Mermelstein guy who had also lost, and uh, they both agreed that uh, they thought they were cheated as well. That the next person to play him, Byron Caverman, uh, they told Jack Effel at that point, but it was it was a terrible sting. Byron's covering his cards in a funny way, and just he, he's going out of his way to, uh, to to make sure that this guy can't see anything. 
So this guy's like, well, okay, I see what's going on here. And he obviously was already suspicious from, you know, some of the other things that the, the other players were, were doing when they were playing him. So this Byron guy is, is doing everything he can do to cover his cards. And, and they're constantly switching out decks there, apparently. So, of, of course, he's not going to do it. So, so they're, like, trying to prevent Coca from cheating. No, they should have made it easy for him to cheat. And then they should have just pretended it was fine. This, this, I, don't, I don't understand this. They should have just gone there. And, and this, I, I guess, maybe the World Series is a bit at fault, though I, I, the players should have definitely done it, too. It's really the players' responsibility to act normal. But the, the, the plan should have been Byron sit with this guy, play normally, uh, after a short time, uh, give us a signal. After you, when you see him doing the same crap, give us a signal. We'll halt the match, grab the deck, and test it immediately. We, they can even pause the match while they test it. They could say, hang on, we're pausing the match. Uh, come back in an hour. Yeah. So, something like that. And then and test the deck and see what's going on. Or they, yeah. or they could just let him keep playing. And then and then test afterwards, but you know they they needed him to play normally, so he would do it again. Because the thing is, this this guy wasn't doing it just to get up to the quarterfinals. He was doing it to get all the way. So if nobody spooked him, he would have done it the whole way. Especially because he knows he's playing really good players at that point. Right. So yeah, they screwed it up. They the players screwed it up. Trying to just look and see is the irony of uh, I don't, how do you pronounce his last name? The guy that won Keith Lair, Lair. Yeah, I guess Larry or Lair. Yeah. Did yeah. you see anything yet about it? Uh, I haven't looked yet, but let, let me see. Let me. I'll, I'll, is there a link? Or something I can or I can Google it. Let's see. Okay, I'm looking at a blog right here. It says. Keith Lair pays the price. Oh, yeah, I see this from 2006. Hundreds of thousands of dollars at the Hollywood Casino in Louisiana. Keith Lair finally got his <laughs> just punishment. He was barred from life, for life for the, from the Hollywood Casino. Now, this is from Russ Georgiev, who's a little bit of a crackpot. Or he was. Russ oh, okay. Rush he's, he's not alive anymore. So this is actually, this was posted a long time ago. This is posted uh, January 16th, no, 2004. If you look at the at the post... This is from January 16, 2004, from Rush Georgiev. Okay. Was here also one of 2005 from Bluff Magazine that has an article about him. The uh, Recently, uh, accusations against players such as Keith Lair have caused them to miss out on opportunities to play and win and have lost in the trust of many other players. The World Series Poker has banned many from participating Trying to see where it talks what he actually did. Um, I don't want to slander the guy, but it, it uh, huh? Well, either way, it uh, goes back to what you said earlier. There should be some. Yeah, it looks like a long time ago, like a wreck gambling poker post about Daniel Negreanu writing about the guy being a yeah, cheat. I'm reading that. But this is all from Rush Georgiev, so that's the only thing I have to say. But uh, Rush Georgiev has always been kind of a crackpot. Or I think he's not even alive anymore. But uh, I'm not saying he's wrong. He claims that uh, Daniel wrote an article on Keith Lur. So I, I guess Keith Lur. Well, if you type in Keith Lur cheat, I mean, it's just a ton of different stuff about yeah. him. So <laughs> it's I, funny, I, I, nobody's covered this yet. <laughs> Everyone's focused on this Coca guy. 
But uh, Lur looks like he had a uh, he has a checkered history as well. Amazing. Hmm. Well, I uh, I would say you know we're what are we, we're nine days in. Tomorrow will be nine days since the series started, and I guess now that that is the biggest story of the series and. Uh, something that Druff and I touched on, was it, uh, when do we do radio? On Monday, and it's picked up a lot of steam now. There's been a lot, a lot of debate, even to the point where Matt Savage wrote a blog today about it, was what we talked about in regards to the uh, structures this year. The fact that uh, it used to be somewhat of a, you know, mild accomplishment, badge of honor to some degree to make a day two. Because generally in the past, if you made a day two of a tournament, you were very close to the money. In some cases, you know, the, the bubble burst within a level or two and usually not, you know, any usually not longer than four levels. But this year, um, it, it's it's usually close to the end of day two. Yeah, that, you know, people are making the money in, For in, instance, the, in the, the 15 uh, in the 1500 uh, limit events. Yeah, that we played last night. They didn't make the money till about ten forty-five, yeah, eleven p.m. All the fifteen hundred limit poker events, not just limit hold'em, are having this problem, and and people are very upset about it. Uh, you may say, if you're listening to this, what's wrong with that? Isn't it good to have more play? Doesn't more play show who the best player is? And uh, the, the problem here is that the buy-in of the tournament. You have to have the appropriate amount of play for that buy-in level and for what type of player typically plays it. Uh, for example, uh, I remember one time I was in St. Kitts, one of my two trips there, and I played a 500 something dollar entry tournament there in addition to the one I got for free that was a 6600 entry tournament or whatever it was. Uh, so I, I entered a 500 something Boy, was I sorry. I wasted my whole day there. And this was with my then-girlfriend with me there, too, and she had to just sit around doing nothing. So I, I wasted a whole day getting deep in a 500 something dollar tournament and then didn't even cash. And had I cashed, I would have gotten, like, the min cash was, like, 700 so I would have made, like, 200 bucks. If, as I got towards the end and I was getting short-stacked and I knew it was probably going to be min cash or bust, I thought, wow, did I waste a day here. And I realized what a mistake I had made because the time I was investing in this was not equivalent to the time I invest for the other limits of poker I was playing at the time. So when you're playing poker, you have an idea of how much time you want to put in and what you would typically expect to win in that time or what's what's a meaningful result to you. So if you're playing a tournament for three days, for example, and everything but the top three places pays less than $1,000, but yet you play... 1020 no limit regularly or you play 4080 limit regularly that's not a good tournament for you because unless you finish in one of the top few places this isn't worth your time even if you cash it's not worth your time you you can end up spending a lot of time and either make very little money or make no money and spend a lot of time doing it so this is where the structures come in to make it to where the tournament on one hand has enough play to determine a rightful winner but on the other hand, is not wasting everyone's time to spend days and days playing to uh, 
not get a very big prize for all but the top few players. So the problem with the 1500 Limit Hold'em, for example, and this is the same for all Limit Poker tournaments, not just Limit Hold'em this year, is that the way they made the structure, it drags on too long until 90% of the field's gone and takes almost two full days of play. And this is really frustrating for players who, again, are most of them are, are players like me, or a lot of them are, who, who play mid or high limit, limit hold'em. And you don't want to sit there playing two days to probably get a min cash or close to a min cash or, or bust and not even make it. So it was really frustrating to certain people who make it through almost two full days of play and walk home empty-handed. It's one thing at the main event to have that happen, but at a $1,500 buy-in tournament, that's not good, especially given the limits that most of these players typically play. So, Well, the, and the, the two pros and cons, I mean, well, there's more than that, but the, the two most red pros and cons that I'm seeing are the pros that don't like this um, for, the, for the reasons that you mentioned, but also the fact that a lot of these guys are just staked for the entirety of the World Series, and they're used to either making a day two, which means you know, they're already deep in a tournament, or busting out and then re-entering another event. Yeah, that's a good point. I'll, I'll, I'm going to give you an example. Last night, the World Series of Poker did something that I don't know – that's ever been done before. Maybe it has, but it's it's definitely a rarity. Because the limit hold'em money bubble took so long to burst, they extended the late registration for a three thousand dollar half stud eight, half Omaha eight tournament that had started at four PM that day to give more people that were in the limit event that either were near the money and, and were gonna bust or were gonna mint cash and bust so they could register. And normally, there's a firm time when you know they announce. Really, they extend it at six levels, so they got more than six levels to to do it. That's crazy. Yes. So there was actually mentioned last night that the WSOP extended registration. I don't know how much longer. I probably assume it was it was to probably level nine or ten, and uh, people were buying in, and literally just playing a short amount of time. You know, twenty thirty minutes. Some people bought in and didn't even take their seats until today. So basically, the WSOP <laughs> has become now an event where you can literally buy in and just buy into a day two. Um, a good example, I mean, it, I mean, it really is. Uh, I mean, a good example of that is, uh, I know Jimmy Frick, a, um, I'm, I don't know if it was a limit tournament or a tournament before that, bought in and didn't even play. You know, he, I mean, he, he sat down but didn't play. He bought in like the last level or second to the last level and came back the next day with, with you know, a, a uh, with, with his starting stack. And then also someone, you know, you know, like Ronnie Badar that ironically enough took your seat but didn't join in until like 9 o'clock at night and start playing yeah, or whatever time it was. So last night they actually extended registration for that reason. And so anyhow, that's one that the, the pro's point of view is they don't like it. Because they're making more day twos, and they're not getting the opportunity if they bust right away, then they can't enter the 4 p.m. tournament. Yeah, that's a good point. That's, yeah, that has started that day. I didn't think about uh, that, but that's a good point. Yeah, that that yes. you're, there's a lot of people, yeah, breaking tournaments and missing ones they want to play. Exactly because the, right. because the ones they're they're entering, so they end up empty-handed with everything. They miss a tournament they want, and they didn't cash in the first one that, that made them miss and, it. And then it also puts them in the predicament to either start playing more aggressively 
and gambling and not being patient and either run it up real fast or bust real fast, especially if you're in that, you know, mid danger zone level, uh, you know, it, it's, so it's a quandary for them and they're getting pissed off. Now the converse side of this is the amateurs and Alan Kessler, who I just tweeted actually at, I, or actually I direct message him to see if, uh, he was in and wanted to come on real fast. And, uh, Kessler pointed this out as well as Matt Savage. You know, there are a lot of individuals that come out to Las Vegas and they just play one or two tournaments. Um, there are a lot of people that come out that aren't no limit holding players that want to play just one or two tournaments. Like, for example, yesterday, um, I don't know how they would determine this, and, and I believe it's true, but Kessler uh, or Matt Savage, one of the two, wrote that there are a lot of people that they knew that came out this weekend not to play the Colossus, not to play uh, the Millionaire Maker tomorrow, but they wanted to play the Stud 8, uh, Omaha 8 tournament that started yesterday at 4 p.m. And they spend that, you know, they spend that kind of money, you know, for airfare, a $3,000 entry, you know, they feel like they should get play. It's good for amateurs um, to, you know, just have the chips to play, to, you know, for their psyche as well, to, to make it to day two a little bit more easier than years past, that it would give them more incentive to come back. And for those reasons, the way the levels are, it benefits the amateurs, not only just because they can make a day two more, but it, like I mentioned, it just it, it improves their psyche. They say, hey, I made a day two. It's kind of a badge of honor. And then next year, they're more inclined to maybe come out you know, and, and play more events because um, it gives them just a false sense of, of how good they really are. So I can sort of see both points. But from my experience of playing in – I've only played in one no-limit hold'em tournament so far. The other two I played – uh, where the limit hold'em and the just the uh, Omaha eight are better, um, I think the early levels are meaningless. I think there's too much early play. I think if they want to do anything, the beginning levels like one through four should be more speedy, and then once you get like five, six, seven, eight, then it should slow down a bit, and then you should repeat levels. Then instead of repeating, you don't need to have two hours of fifty one hundred blinds. Yeah. Okay. And a, you don't need it yeah, just because this is a thing. Everything. I mean, you can sit there and you could, it, you could play great. You could grind as peacefully laugh out loud <laughs> and, 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 and just play as good as you can to chip up and you, you don't take any bad beats and you're not on tilt at all. And you're just playing good, solid poker. And then by level four or five, the blinds are so high that everything you've worked for in the last four hours can be decimated in, in one hand yeah. or two hands. And you lose all the traction that you've made by picking up pots at a meaningless 5,100 level for two hours and then a 100, 200 level for another two hours, <clears throat> you know, are all gone when you're right then at 300, 500 or 400, 800. It, it's all just gone, everything you worked for. So what a lot of people are doing now, such as the, the aforementioned Ronnie Bedard, they're not buying in until – Level five, yeah. level six, they're coming in at, at nine o'clock at night with a full starting stack because really, realistically, it doesn't matter. You win one hand, you know, I'm trying to think of, of, well, I mean, it doesn't matter. I'm trying to think someone wrote, wrote a, a point about this, but somebody that uh, was a well-known pro who was in one of these tournaments, it might have been the limit hold'em, it might have been the stud, I don't know. And they bought in at, at nine o'clock. They won two hands. Actually, you know, it, it was Jimmy Frick, now that I think about it. He bought in and he won two hands five hours into the tournament and he had an above average stack. And this is a limit tournament. Yeah. 
He was yeah. above average for his people that had been there grinding for five hours. <laughs> it shouldn't be that way, Jeroff. It, it should not be that way. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't. You're right that the beginning, you just can't have the beginning where it's too meaningless to where uh, to where the average stack doesn't, it doesn't move very much, and and to where then you can, as you said, you can win two pots and and get yourself in there in a limit tournament. It 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 doesn't make any sense. So they they definitely one thing they definitely need to do is not have the repeating levels at the lower, and and uh, maybe start a little bit higher, in, in the blinds, and and uh, and then maybe, and not don't repeat levels. Maybe they repeat the ones later on. So uh, they got to do something with the structure here because this is. I, I understand what they were trying to do, and I appreciate it. I, I, I appreciate that they were trying to make the 1500 more like the 10,000. And I hate to tell you, uh, there was an individual I know of that spoke to Seth Polanski last year and said, you know what, I would like to see the 1500 limit hold'em be more like the 10K limit hold'em with, with these repeating structures and to where uh, um, it, it doesn't start low and, and escalate too fast. And uh, that individual was named uh, Todd Wittellis. <laughs> I, I actually suggested what they're doing now, I suggested. I, I, I don't know if that had any impact. Now, I was told, no, we're not doing it, which is why I was surprised to see they did do it. What I, basically what I suggested. I didn't give him a structure I wanted to see, but I just kind of described it and said, what you're doing with the 10K, it'd be nice if you could do something similar with the 1500. Because I liked the way the 10K was. But the, the difference was that... Uh, I felt with a 10K, I didn't mind playing as long because it's a 10K event. And and the 1500, that one... What I wanted to see with that to where the beginning wasn't completely meaningless and to where after that it doesn't become too meaningful to where a few hands make or break you. And they kind of imitated the structure of the 10K, but it just didn't work the way they did it. They have to they have to do it differently. They They, they have to... Adjust this one. And I think they will. I think there's enough dissatisfaction about this. And the fact that the World Series actually allowed people to basically buy into a day two of a subsequent event shows that they realize there's a problem or they wouldn't have made this adjustment. Right. But so. I mean, just the, the fact that last night I could have walked down to the Rio, handed them $3,000, uh, and played two games that are both split plot, or excuse me, split pot games, meaning it's, it's you know, it, it's it's harder, you know, to get eliminated because if you. Unless you're taking a lot of bad beats, I mean, you're going to get half the pot, you know, most of the time. Sometimes you'll scoop. But the fact that you basically really could have bought in last night and assured yourself, you know, a, a stack on day two, that just doesn't sit well with me. That's not, that's it's, never it's been what the World Series has been about. And that just seems weird that you could just buy a stack, a day two stack. It just doesn't seem right. It, it is weird. ridiculous. I, I, in fact, with them getting later and later with them allowing you to register, uh, I was saying. I think last year when they changed, or two years ago when they changed it to after six levels, they said, you know, one day they're going to change it to where you can just buy into the final table. <laughs> how far does it go? How, how late can you register here? I didn't like it when the WPT started doing this a couple years ago, where it wasn't even that you could buy at the last level of the night. You had like four or five levels a second day that you could still buy into. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And a lot of... Known pros that just have, you know have a bank full of money, like Negranu was infamous for this. Helmuth and Ivy, you know, very infamous. They weren't showing up until like level fourteen of a tournament. I mean, that just uh, like tournament started uh, on a Tuesday at noon, and they were coming on a Wednesday at four or five p.m. Yeah, just, and if you, and if you have if you have a lot of money, and you don't care about the buy-in, 
uh, it makes sense to do that because you just show up late, you you shove in a few times, and uh, if if you win if you win the shoves, then you've got a real stack to play with, and you can play normally. If you bust, oh well, you know if you if you can afford it, big deal. Now, what I don't understand, and you know, I I don't want to come across as somebody that just is constantly trashing the uh, organizers of the WSOP because I do realize, you know, events such as the, the Colossus, just how huge an ordeal it is and, and how hard it actually is. You know, I mean, I know we can sit here and, and, and be armchair quarterbacks and criticize, but just the coordination of all that, it, I mean, it does take a lot of work. But I don't understand when they have almost a year to plan these things, how how aren't they running these things through some sort of test model. Everyone's claim from the SOP was we didn't anticipate this. We didn't anticipate so many people would be making day twos. We didn't anticipate that the Colossus would take so long, that there'd be so much play. How is there not some sort of model that they can run the numbers, do the math? They don't. And determine these. They just don't. They... But I mean, they, the tech, correct me if I'm wrong. Is it technology there? Yes. That they could? Yes. In fact, okay. But So it's beyond me why they aren't taking these things into account and they don't have people that are running tests and doing the math and, and trying to, to see, Hey, guess what? You know, we've done the math and it, this, this is what it's going to look like is going to happen. And, and just adjust from there. I mean, I, I don't, understand I, I can that. tell you why it's the same reason in 2007 when they said, yeah, we'll just put up a tent outside to make extra room. We don't need extra convention space. We we want to keep the consp- convention space for uh, yeah. weddings and other stuff that want to take place there. Uh, we will just, uh, Put a tent out there, and we're not going to yeah. test the temperature of the tent or, or how well it can withstand heavy wind. We're, we're just going to put a tent up, and it'll be fine. Like they, they, the World Series, unfortunately, takes the attitude a lot of times of we've come up with this idea, we think it's good, we're just going to do it, and if there's any problems, we'll adjust on the fly. And and that's unfortunately what they do. And I'm glad they're open to suggestions of changing the structure. They attempted to change the structure here with good intentions, where. They decided that if we make the structure this way, then it will really become more of a test of skill than it will be of who can run good after the first few hours. But yeah. uh, but but they they just didn't do it right. It it it, uh, it should have been thought through better. And uh, I, at least I have a feeling next year it'll change. A caller on the air. I think it's probably China Maniac. Hello. Yeah. Hey. What's up, Drew? What's up, Drexel? Hey, buddy. What's going on? All right, Druff, I got a question for you uh, about the cheater, all right? Yeah. Like, if there was even a 1% chance that this guy was going to get caught, with him being on foreign soil, getting all his money confiscated, getting locked up in jail, don't you think he would have taken a flight out of here by now and not be in the Rio playing uh, poker? I think that what's uh, – I think that what's happened is uh, I think he believes that – by the time that they caught on to it, he knew he wasn't cheating. That's what I think it is. I think that he knows that when they were switching the decks around and doing all these suspicious things, all, all these things that looked odd to him, he knew that at that point he was not cheating. So he's like, go ahead, do it all. He knew it was in the clear at that point. That's why he's not running. That's, but that's my they, opinion. Couldn't they, couldn't, they, couldn't they track the decks that they used no, from before? No, no that's there's no I way. mean, they could take every deck and just see if there's any ink on any of them. That that would require. Do you know how many cards are out there? They would have to take every card that's out there and and just to, and and inspect all of them. There's no way. Couldn't they put it under some type of light or something to see? There's too many. There's too many cards. I uh, could. Like, if this was a, a massive, if this was like a murder investigation, yes, they could do it. 
But right. this is for this, they're right. not going to collect every card in the Rio and do it. So he got away right. with it. I mean, that's I, I think he believes he got away with it, and and is not leaving for that reason. That's now it's possible. I still he's think in he would have. I still think he would have left. I, I'm just thinking like if I was like in Europe or something, and I was a cheater, and like I got called out on it, and I've cheated somewhere before, like. I would pack the fuck up and leave. You yeah. know, I wouldn't stick around even if there was the slightest chance to get caught. I you know? I, I agree, but it's just, it, it just some some of these guys just do things that don't make sense. Sometimes they get too arrogant and they just believe that uh, they're untouchable, and you know, then they end up in Antigua. <laughs> yeah, that's true. The, and the other thing I wanted to hit on was I saw a tweet earlier. They were on like level nineteen in that Omaha Stud tournament. And they still weren't in the money, and like they were just about to hit day three. I mean, that's pretty crazy. Wow. For like a twenty five hundred event going to day three with it's, no it's, money. Well, yeah. I, I'm going to have this on uh, on Sunday. If I make the if I don't if I make the day two of the millionaire maker, I may, I may actually miss the three thousand six max limit. But if uh, if I don't, uh, then I will be in the three thousand six max limit. And if if I don't brick off early like I, I just ran awful in the 1500 and I was out uh, by I think level 5 but I was the first one out at my table which I, I, I now realize right. is probably actually doing me a favor it, it, much better that than play two days and bust and get the actually, same no, if you would have hung on for another hour then you would have uh, run like Ronnie Badar God mode to be honest well yeah that, that was what was funny is that Ronnie Bardar got the old seat I was and he said he was in God mode there and just hitting everything but but he, the hey, final hey, joke was on him because he he didn't make the money. He played really late the next day and didn't make the money. Hey, it's it's Ronnie Bada. Yeah, that's, that's how we say it here in Boston, Bada. <laughs> and he is from Boston. Yeah, he's from Brockton. Yeah. So so anyway, the, yeah. Uh, uh, look, I, I I will face the same thing if I run deep in the three thousand limit six max. You may hear me on the next show. Not the one on Saturday, but the one after that, complaining that All I right. ran to deep day two and walked away empty-handed. It's very possible. So, how how pissed would you be if you made day three, didn't cash, and then bubbled? Ah, <laughs> uh, jeez. Uh, you know, I I, mean, I had this. That, 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 I that, had that, this a little bit. Ruling. I had this at the five k in 2012, where I made the very end of day two, and I was the bubble boy. And I was so sickened by it, to be honest. My stomach started hurting. And I was like, I, I was so sickened by it. I said, oh, my, I cannot believe this happened. I cannot believe I played two full days here and bubbled. And, in fact, I bubbled brutally by losing four straight hands. I could have just folded to the money, too, and I didn't. And I lost four straight hands and bubbled. And I was like, oh, my God, this is awful. And, I was, and this stuck with me for so long, I was telling everyone coming into the 2013 World Series – my goal this year is to cash in the 5K, in the 5K limit. And I did. I, that's the one I got fifth. So at least I, at least I lived up to my goal there. But I, you can find old radio shows where I was saying that's the big thing to me. It, it stuck with me for a year how brutal it was to play for two full days and get nothing. Right. See, see here's an interesting – here's an interesting uh, – some ba- well, I, I, not backlash, but just a result of, of what we're talking about with the structure. Um because of the fact that the thirty, the three uh, K, I'm sorry, twenty was it? No, I'm sorry. Yeah, twenty five hundred. That's what it was. I kept saying three K, but the event went so long, and they weren't in the money. 
it affected the 10K PLO. <laughs> and they have numbers way lower than they had last year or just any time in recent memory because people were still in there. There were still a lot of big pros that were in there, and they didn't enter you know, the, the 10K PLO that started what today at mess. 4 o'clock. What a mess. And, and, well, let's just take a look. I saw 111 that were in it so far today. Okay, and last year had 188 in it. So it just, it, I mean, it's, and it's bad for the World Series too because, I mean, they're, they can't be happy because the rake is, I'm going to say right now the rake is going to be substantially down if they don't adjust this from last year just because of the reasons that I've mentioned. <laughs> and their numbers are going to, it's, I mean, do you know what I mean? It's just, yeah. they're not, they're, they're just going to keep losing entrance. Well, at least, at least they raked 1.4 million from the Colossus. Yeah. And also, I know yeah, well, we don't want we don't want to keep this show too long. But before we forget, Matt the Rat won a tournament last night. Oh, that's they, right. And he wanted to call in, and I think he had an interesting story. He played the uh, Aria nightly, but I think it had over well over two hundred people. So I know he's playing tomorrow. Druff, the flight that you are. I also know Alan Kessler is tweeting me. He may come on real fast. Um. Okay, I, I got to go pretty soon. This All right, is, yeah, this I, I, I got to I got to get off the line. But, oh, yeah, uh, thanks for taking my call. Okay, thank you, and, China. Uh, shout out to Inspect the Deck. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All, All right, right, bye, China. Later. By the way, it's it's five eighteen a.m. where China is right now. Pretty late for him. Yeah. Well, I think he uh, he's on a late night schedule. I think that's how he grinds the best. He he prefers playing at night, but. I, I do too. Uh, I mean, that's it's, yeah. It's, Matt Durrett, if you're there, I know you got to play early, and, and we're not going to be on the air much longer. If you want to call up and uh, I think this, I think this, this is him. Call you okay. on the air. Hey guys, it's Matt. Yeah, hi Matt. So congratulations for uh, winning that tournament, and uh, you have a, yeah, sto- that, a story for us. Good. Yeah, well, quickly a couple things. Um, I saw Howard Letterer in the uh, poker room hmm. at the Aria last night while I was waiting to play the tournament, which was kind of interesting. He was, you know how the Aria kind of has, um, like kind of the back room is kind of on an upper level with about six tables there. Yeah. 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 He was standing in the back, just kind of laughing it up and talking to a couple guys. He didn't ever end up playing, but I mean, I only kind of popped in once in a while. So I, I just found that was interesting how he was there. Um, oh, he's been spotted you know, casinos. Before, I mean, it's not – I wouldn't say it's even a rarity. I've seen him – I'm not a big player at the Bellagio anymore, but he's been in Bobby's room several times. He's played in the upper limits, and he sits there with Jennifer Harmon and the rest of the gang, and they're chatting. No one seems to be treating him like an outcast. Um, I even know that sometimes they'll have security, especially in that upper area where it's not really protected, around just to make sure no one can even come up and heckle him like he's protected. So that's not yeah. – uh, it's not really a rarity to see him around anymore like it was right after, you know, Black Friday when he literally was, you know, out of sight for well over a year. Um, he freak. I don't think he'll play in a WSOP event, but he's played in a couple WPT events. He's played in cash games. Um, so it's, it's not even, you know, it's not even a rarity yeah, if, anymore. If you to want see to feel him. better, though, about about Howard and, uh, you know, I know it may piss you off to see him just walking around in these poker rooms. Howard, it really, really, really bothers him what has become of his reputation. He was someone who really, unlike Russ Hamilton, who it was just, for him, it was just all about money. Uh, Howard really relished the status he had as the, quote, poker professor of someone who was uh, liked and respected in poker, someone people looked up to. He, 
it, it bothers him to no end that now people will hear Howard Lederer and think thief. So he hates that. So, so it was interesting. Um, yeah, it was um, not last night. Well, I guess two nights ago, depending on what you know. Um, so I was playing the Aria nightly. There was 216 people. But what was funny is uh, during one of the breaks when I left uh, to use a washroom, um, JRB was playing heads up 1K, 2K in the corner table of the tournament room because I guess they didn't have any more tables. I don't know who he was playing, but I watched during the break, and in 10 minutes, I watched him donk off over 100K. Like, he lost every fucking Whoa. hand in a row. Wow. It was just, it was crazy. But the strange thing is, on the next break, I came back. I don't think he bought in again, but then he was up over 100K from his original 100K. And he was winning hand after hand, and the other guy's stack was, like, really low. So that was that was kind of interesting. I, I, I'm pretty sure he's back. Um, I, th- I think Dan Bilzerian may back him. Some someone backs him. I mean, he's he's definitely oh, for back. sure. And if- so what? A, a, one other thing that was interesting when I, I was playing this, when we were down to about 40 people, I you know they kept moving the tables right. I was sitting beside uh, Boston Rob from Survivor. Hmm. You guys know who that is, right? No. No, I don't know who that is. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, Oh, and anyway, on Survivor, like in one of the, you know, first or second season, his, uh, well, now to be wife, won, and he came in second, and then he played a few seasons later, and he actually won it. And uh, and he actually was on some kind of, I don't know if it was a webisode or some kind of thing where Daniel Negreanu taught him how to play poker, like in becoming a winning player and all this stuff. And it was, I don't think it ever made the TV, but some other, some people in the chat might know about it. But, and then he said, Oh yeah, like in this uh, three hour session, I made uh, 800 bucks. And then the grand was, yeah, but you should have made 2000 and like he's teaching them how to play poker. So that was kind of interesting. Um, but here, here's my question is <clears throat> we were down to three handed. There was 2.9 million chips in play. I had 1.7 million. The other guys, rough. I think one guy had like seven hundred thousand. One guy had five hundred thousand. And these guys, I felt, were pretty competent players. And the payouts were like seven k for first, four uh, k for or yeah, four um, k for second, and I think it was like three k for third, something like that. And the the tournament director, she comes around and she goes, "Okay, if you win, do you have your passport?" And I'm like, "Oh, did us at the hotel." She goes, "You know, because I know you're Canadian." we have to withhold 30% tax and I, anything over 5,000. I was like, fuck, I forgot about that. Now there is a way for me to get that money back, but it literally takes like a year and you got to file a bunch of paperwork. And if you don't know how to do it, you got to pay someone like three or 400 bucks. Right. Yeah. It's pretty brutal. So they, so what they said is they will implement a chop and you know, so, and then we can work out a deal. So, Tell me if you guys think this is good. Now, mind you, like, even though I was dominating in chips at that, you know, near the end, it's, you know, it's flips, right? I mean, I could go down, I could yeah, go yeah. up or whatever. So what what it would, what we did is I, I said to the guys, how about this? How about if I get 4950 from the casino and you guys each give me 200 bucks cash? And actually, I didn't even know it first prize won a $565 WPT ticket. And I said, and I get the so ticket because they how asked. Much, how much did you end up making, Matt? Well, this is this is what happened is we settled on 
uh, I got 4950 from the casino. I won a WPT ticket for $565, which I sold to the dealer that was dealing us for $300 cash because I couldn't use it. And those guys gave me 200 bucks each. Good job. That's good. So, so I, I mean, do you guys, would you guys, because I didn't want to go through the bullshit of like, now going through the flips, and even if I won first prize, they're going to withhold 30%, yeah, yeah, and it's going to take me a long time I, I to agree. get it back. It sounds, hey, like, it sounds like they did the hey, right Jeff, thing. Jeff, I'm getting a call from Alan Kessler. If we want to call him, uh, he's going. He's playing 10 a.m. tomorrow. We're going to okay, have to yeah, either call yeah, him right call now. Yeah, or... okay. I'll talk to you guys later. Okay, thank you, Matt. Sorry, Matt. Not yeah. trying to get you off. Just we're going to wrap yeah. this up. Yeah, so I got to play, I gotta play too. Okay, thank you. He just hung up. He's like, okay, I'm gone. All right. I didn't want to be rude. It just it's Kessler's like, call me now or I know, I know. We, we don't want to lose Alan Kessler. It's uh... yeah, we poached him. All right, we did poach him. I sent you. You got it in Skype. Yeah. Well, there's you know, the other radio show's gone now. Anyway, it's been gone for a long time. Yeah. Okay. The show gets long enough. I can just rerun this on Saturday and not even do a show. Hello. Alan Kessler, welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio. This is Todd Dandruff with Tellus, and I have Brandon Drexel Gerson on the phone with me. Hey, Alan. Hi. How you doing, buddy? All right. Good. I, I know I you have to play. So far. I'm so, how many caches? Two. Yeah, it's two okay. more than us. Very good. I know uh, you're playing early tomorrow, and, and so is Todd. Um, but as I mentioned to you uh, on Twitter, uh, we we have a live audience that's listening, and and you were you were requested to get on the radio. The two uh, subjects that we were talking about that we just wanted your opinion on that that have dominated this podcast so far were what has come out the last two days in regards to the uh, allegations of cheating and the heads up, the 10k heads up, and as well as the pros and cons and the criticism and such forth of how the structures are this year. And, you know, we all know you are the king of talking about structures in regards to the, the longer plays, the fact more people are making day twos, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So we're going to turn it over to you. Those are the two things that everyone's been talking about. And we would love to know your opinion on both of those matters. Okay. Uh, I'll do the cheating one first. Uh, from what I've been reading on the Internet, and uh, Andy Block is a really smart person, uh, he says, that if you have polarized sunglasses, that you can read minor indentations on cards. You know how sometimes you see like a little fold, little like uh, mountain in a card, like it, it's an ace, and the dealer will say, well, you can only see it on this side, but you can't see it on the back or whatever. But supposedly with polarized sunglasses and a certain reflection to the light, you can see the... Um, but could, could you see all the way across well, the table? Could you see the other? It looks like the person was looking at yeah, the opponent's cards. Apparently, this guy was, like, moving around a lot and was nervous and was looking. And uh, just just my gut feeling and the way that the, they said that he didn't really play many hands until he had been dealt, like, 30 or 40 cards and that he held the cards for a while when he did have them. It just seems like uh, – and the fact that he also uh, – been thrown out of other various casinos for doing something similar. I don't think anybody would ever attempt to use ink on cards because there's direct evidence of that. But if there's little crimps on cards or little folds or whatever, 
you can just say, well, that's the way I picked up the cards. I, you know, I apologize if I just picked up the cards wrong. And what do you but think you about really... the, what do you think about the fact that currently, as we speak, he's at the Rio right now, still playing cash games, and he hasn't just hightailed it out of town. Yeah, I, uh, from what I heard, he's playing Chinese poker. Yes, and if you're going to cheat at a game, it, Chinese poker is very hard to cheat at because if you're playing open face Chinese, and basically. Um, you get your cards and then they get their cards. You're, you're not really having any advantage by seeing other than you might know like one of their discards with an ace because you have it marked or something. But I mean, other than that, it'd be a very small advantage in something like Chinese poker. So, so do you think the guy's guilty or not? What's that? Do you think the guy's guilty or you think it's all a lot of hype over nothing? No, I, I think there, there might be something to it, but I, uh, the thing is, you know, they, they had these allegations. What they should have done was said nothing. And let him play yeah. for a while. That's what I said. That was and my, then that, examine that, the cards. We think yeah. we think alike. Alan. That, that's exactly what I said. I said that they 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 made it you're, too obvious to him. You're both cheap, cheap Jews. Of course, you think alike, <laughs> Alan. The, from you have way more sources than we do. From what you hear, is there still an ongoing investigation? Do you think there's any possibility there'll be any? No, I haven't heard anything regarding that. But if if, if, I, if I was the one that was accusing of that, I would say, listen, just let him play the next match completely. Don't say a word about it. And examine the cards, but apparently they didn't do that because if you look at the, there's pictures of Keith Lair playing against them, and Keith Lair is playing, whereas both hands are covering both of his cards. So obviously his opponent knows that the jig is up, and it's not going to do it when he sees his opponent yeah. with both hands over both of his cards. I mean, nobody and, plays like that. And same with the guy before this Byron guy who played before him. Same thing that he, uh, yeah. he, he yeah. Did. So I mean, when you're it's like you're giving the guy a tell. You're saying, listen, we know you're up to something, so here's your chance to get off the hook. Don't do it anymore because we're on to you. But that's not the way to catch somebody. The way to catch somebody is to say nothing, play it straight up, and then, like, a, you know, you tell the person, listen, if he does cheat, we're going to give you your money back, but we just want to make sure what's going on here. Yeah. Yeah. That's and now, real fast, I, I haven't really monitored that much of uh, your tournaments, but the one thing I did notice, a notable hand, as the WSOP's limited media coverage uh, presented it, was I guess there was a hand where you were all in, and they reported that you said, I think, was it the Potlip and Hold'em, where you reportedly said, of course I have aces. And then the other gentleman... Yeah, this was yesterday. Over... Yeah. There's only 49 people left. Okay. And uh, the betting went crazy. I mean, this one guy opened. I make it three bets, four bets, five bets pre-flop. The other guy finally folds. So there's like 12 or 13 bets in the pot already. Jeez. And then we get it all in on the flop. And I say, obviously I have aces. And the guy turns over jacks. And I don't even have to see the rest of the run out. I know he's going to hit a straight because the board is uh, 7, 8, 10 blank. No no suits. Yeah. And then you so, say on the river, no nine. I, and, of course. Yeah, and the, the nine comes right out. Well, and then to make far- matters worse, today I lost the same hand the other way where I had – Tens and my opponent had aces, and it was cut off against Button. And uh, I just didn't think he had aces. And the board comes six, seven, eight. So even if he does have an overpair, I have six outs twice. So yep. I just went with the hand because I didn't have that many chips left, and we already had quite a bit of money in the pop free slot. Well, that's okay. Brandon and, I, Brandon and I busted both from the limit event. We each busted with a, a straight draw, an open-ended straight draw. We didn't get there. So. Yeah. And I know you got to go to bed soon, so we don't want to keep you. Do you want to talk about your feelings since naturally uh, 
you know, when it comes to structures, you are the go-to guy. In fact, I want to say yeah, well, people are blaming me for the structures, but well, I had nothing to do with it other than telling <laughs> uh, for the last four or when, five years that we needed two fifty five hundred and twenty five hundred. When I was at my limit hold'em table, and this was like level nine, uh, Justin Bonomo got moved to my table, and he was talking with another gentleman about how he did not like the structures, how he thought it was ridiculous, <clears throat> the fact that you were making day twos, you know, over half the field was, and he made a comment to the table that said, yeah, the only but none, of, none of that is true because if you look at the numbers mm-hmm. on the on the single winner games like uh, Raz and Limit Hold'em, even though it took a while to get to the money. It's taking like 90 minutes more to get to the money. Like last year, the Raz got to the money on level 14. This year, it was right before the dinner break, so uh, in between level. You know what? I, I, I have so. to take issue with that though, because I played Limit Hold'em last year and I made the money, and then I busted shortly after that. So I remember what time of day it was, and it was not late at night, and we did well, not. That's play the Raz he's speaking of right now. But I know, no, but I'm he, talking he about said, Raz. I'm no, not no, talking about I Limit Hold'em. I know, I know, but he said you said Raz and Limit Hold'em are kind of the same thing as far as that's. And uh, no, but the, the, I'm saying the Limit Hold'em right now they're playing heads up for the bracelet, which is fine. But you know, it did take quite a while to get to the money. But the it thing was 10:45 is, forty-five last night when they hit the money, day two. Yeah, the thing is, though, that was that was kind of a rigged thing because we were already in the money before dinner, and this guy hit an eight on the river when the other guy has three queens, and we were going to play one more hand because there was like a guy that had four chips left, and they said we're going to send you all the dinner for like over an hour and come back, and then we came back and they were hand for hand, and it took like another almost two hours because of that. So. <laughs> Jeez. So two basically, hours from when this guy hit the two outer. So in theory, it could have finished at eight thirty, and nobody would have complained. So it's just a weird scenario that this one, this guy hit a two outer, and then we, then they decided to send us to dinner. Then we come back, and now these people all got the chance to look at all the chips, and everybody's blinding down at like one or two chips, trying to be that last person to make the money, and the whole thing because of this one person hitting a two outer added like two hours to the to the money bubble. So, so, so is this is this, a, is this basically a Alan Kessler approved structure. You are in favor of no. The well, let, let me explain. Let me explain something to you. The five thousand yes. dollar no limit was a dream structure. You get twenty. <laughs> you, it was twenty five thousand chips. They never went below fifty big blinds, and they finished in three days. The the Raz and the and the limit hold'em. The old limit hold'em. You'd have like seven and eight bets on day three. You probably played the event. You remember this? The average was like seven or eight bets. This one. The average yesterday when I was I played down to like 48 people, it was between 12 and 14 bet average on day two, which never, ever happened on the old system. So, so you actually like it this way? Right. You, you think it should stay this way? Yeah, because what, 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 the old, on the old system, see, Matt Savage is, is one of the people that says, I want to knock out everybody early, and that's going to make these averages bigger later, but that never works. Like if you look at the commerce structures, the people there are playing – eight to 10 bets the whole time and never get past that. But this thing yesterday in the, in the Raz and also in the limit hold'em, the, the things never went like we were at between 12 and 14 bets the whole time. And Mark Gregorich, who's like a structure guru on these things, he walked over and he said, wow, there's still a 12 bets with like 25 people left. He said, that's really, really strong. And I went over today when there was like uh, 15 people left, it was still 11 bets. I took a picture of it. Well, I, and what on the old you, what system, you, that never, ever happened. How do you respond to uh, other pros like yourself that play a lot of events that are dissuaded that they're not being able to enter other events? Like, you know, right, well, not- see, 
Yeah, go yeah, ahead. This one, yes. What happened was there was one event that was that they screwed up the structure on, which is this $2,500 study at 08. And everybody wants to play that event because it's it's like one of the best events where if you have skill in those games over just random people, you have a huge edge. Like, for example, today, a guy's betting uh, naked queens against my ace-3-5 and aces of my door card. So I can usually have aces. But ace-3-5, queen, I have his other queen, and three stays on the board. And the guy bets out on 6th Street with just a pair of queens in the me when I already have a low in four spades. So, I mean, if you have people like that playing in a tournament, you have a huge edge in these, tor- in these mixed game tournaments. So people really like that tournament. But what happened was yesterday, for some reason, they had two of every level for like the first eight levels. So when I busted a limit hold'em, I got in there and they were, they were only playing three and 600 with 12,000 chips. So I finished the day with 20,000 and like two thirds of the field finished. So that was messed up. But that's, other than that, like the, um, the, the Raz played out fine. The Raz, Max Pescatori, won the bracelet and still had time to enter the, the Stud Eater better tournament well, last okay, night. but that's a little misleading because WSOP announced that they extended the registration past what it was intended to be to let people enter. And that was my next question. No, no. Oh, that that was not the case. That was not the case. Well, that's they have, what they, they tweeted. That's what they no, tweeted. The, the, the policy is on the $1,500 or less tournament, you have six levels to enter on a on a $2,500 or higher tournament, you have eight levels plus the last break to enter. So that comes out to a very late time of night. So, so why maybe was that's tweeted, what they were tweeting. Why was it tweeted yesterday that they had extended it past? Are you sure? Because they tweeted yesterday that they extended late registration to give people that were busting from limit hold'em enough time to enter, Alan. I, I know that for a fact. All right. Well, I, I don't know anything about that. All I know is that okay. I was one of the I, – I busted at 49th place, and I had plenty of time to enter. And uh, I'm not sure who busted after me. But, you know, when I got in, it was still reasonable limits. I couldn't even believe it. But they were telling me, well, we played 150-300 for two hours, and we played 200-400 for two hours, and we played 250-500 for two hours, and then we played 300-600. But they didn't have to play all those levels at two hours apiece. I mean, you have to, with 12,000 chips, they could have easily gone to like one hour after after, I don't know, the fourth one or something. Yeah, they definitely should have. But, okay, uh, so I, I guess, uh, do you have any more questions, uh, Brandon? I, I, I've got to go to sleep too. Well, that, what, what I wanted to say was, if you yeah. look at the, if you look at the, the, at the, just like the recreational player that comes to the World Series, right? A lot of these people I was talking to yesterday in the Limit Holdem event, that was their, that's the only event they're playing, right? Right. We so you have these that. two factions, right? One faction is these, I call them the elitist pros, all yeah. they want to do is play one event, either go big yeah. or go home and go to the next event and the next event and the next event. I, that's people like Mac Lance, like uh, what's his, um, the guy that owns Crush Life Poker, Bart Hansen, a few other people. They just want to play. They want to either build the stack yeah. or, go home, or go to the next event and play the next event. Then you have people that are specialty players, like somebody that only plays Omaha High Low or only plays Women Hold'em, right? Those people, they want to play all the levels. They want to have a chance to build. The, the thing is, even when you're playing these, like in, in the uh, limit hold'em, you're playing like two and 400. That's a meaningful level when you have only 7,500 chips. But these pros, they, they say, well, I'm not coming in until it's four and 800. But basically they're saying, I just want to play one hand. But 
if you think about it, the people that that's their only game, they would never, ever do that. They want to have a chance to play, to build up their chips so they can lose one hand at 4 and 800. See the difference? Yeah, yeah I, 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 I do, but, you know, they're like an example we used yesterday was uh, Ronnie Bada, who chose not to register to, what was it, like 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock at night just for that reason because he felt the earlier levels were so meaningless that he didn't jump right, in. but they weren't because I, I started that tournament. I came from another tournament also, but I started that tournament at like 2 and 400, and we had like three or four people bust at our table at 2 and 400. So obviously the levels were meaningful. If the players were either bad and busted because they shouldn't have or somebody won the chips, right? So – Obviously, if people are busting at two and four hundred, then yeah, you should the, the, be there the to counter, either win those chips or play against those. The people. The counter to that, though, was like Jimmy Frick brought up that, that he sat down and uh, he sat down late in level five, won two hands and had above average chips, and he said that's ridiculous. You can just win two hands in a limit event and level five, you know, entering late and have above average chips. Which All I, right, but he's also taking a big chance because if he doesn't win those two hands, then he's got no chips. So uh, he could have he could have played several other hands and slowly build up a stack instead of just risking his whole tournament on one hand for for $1,500. Alan, two questions, two questions. I, I know, I just, I know you got to be up early tomorrow. Are you, uh, are you going to be playing in the uh, pro players championship this year again? Uh, I will play. If you can find me a, uh, a coach for, I need about, I'd say three hours of coaching on uh, no limit deuce and then I will play. Hmm. I already have people that, that, I, the people from last year all want to invest again this year, and I told them I wouldn't feel right about it unless I had some coaching on No Limit Dues because I've played in my lifetime maybe 25 hands in the game. And second question, and again, thank you so much for coming on so late into the night. Again, your presence was requested. You're, you're, the Chainsaw uh, contingency loves you. Obviously, you know we've had you on other podcasts. We know you're friends with him, and I have to ask you, um, I don't know if you've made any statement publicly in regards to Brian Mikon and his pending situation. Do you have any thoughts that you want to share? A lot of the people listening used to listen to the other podcasts that, that he ran as well and uh, with Todd and I at one point. Uh, so do you have any thoughts you want to share in regards to his situation? Uh, no, he, well, he, he, I always had a pretty good relationship with him. But, I mean, if he, if he was going to run a business in Nevada, he should have probably gone through the proper procedures and had licensing and whatever else, and apparently he didn't do all that. So uh, I'm not exactly sure what, what like, paperwork and what stuff he had to have set up to do it, but if he didn't, if he didn't like, do the exact right things, he's going well, have to have an attorney Actually, he couldn't. He, wouldn't have, he wouldn't have gotten a license for various reasons. So basically his options were run illegally or don't run at all. So do, do you think, uh, do you think, by choosing to run illegally, which he did, do you, do you think uh, he has to face the consequences or do you think he was wronged? Right. I mean, he either has to face the consequences or pay whatever penalties are involved for doing that. I mean, if somebody – like I, I, this, this guy approached me yesterday and he's saying that he's running uh, one of these um, electronic cigarette businesses. And I said, well, that whole business is going to be shut down in like the next six months or a year because none of, none of the stuff that goes in those electronic cigarettes is regulated. Was it, was I know it, that, but I'm just. It was, I, I, was, I'm just trying to get the money now before they get the regulation started. I mean, was it a big black guy named? Was it a big black guy named Darren? Yeah, I think that was the guy. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. But I mean, he he knew he knows that the regulations are coming, but he's just trying to have the business right now while it's popular. 
Yeah. And I said, well, you know, somebody could get sick or die or whatever from this stuff. Nobody really knows what they're inhaling. And he said, yeah, the regulations are coming and it's going to change the whole nature of the business. Have you had any, have you had any contact with uh, Brian Mycon since the warrant was issued and all this came down or no? No, I don't think so. Okay. Interesting. All right. I mean, I I assume you, you know, the circumstances that, there is a warning. I just wanted to, I wanted to apologize to the World Poker Tour because yesterday I said on on Twitter to like 25,000 people that I said, does Adam Pliska know how, how ridiculously bad this website is? And I didn't realize that the website is like a work in process. Hmm. And I, I spent like 15 minutes trying to figure out how to use the website, and I could not even get my chip counts or anything on there. And it's, if you look at it yourself, you'll see what I'm talking about. Well, well, anyway, I apologize for them today because I felt bad about it. Okay, well, that's good. You got and it out of this show. That's a, this this yeah. show has like a thousand listeners. This is like a special episode. It probably won't have a thousand, but it has a thousand listeners. You know, between live and the archive, so you will uh, get it out to a thousand more people. So, okay, well, thank you, Alan, for coming on. Just like you, I'm playing at 10 a.m., so I got to right, go sleep too. Anyway, but I want to make one final point. Yeah. Sure. If if you compare this year's structures and these like. The no limits and the like top limit games, it's ten times better than you could ever imagine. For like you're walking in there to play at like a, a thousand dollar event. Last year you'd get three thousand chips, and you're gonna not be able to play two fifty five hundred. And if you get deep, not be able to play twenty five hundred five thousand. This year you're getting five thousand chips, and you get to play every level. So it's completely different. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Alan. We have a, your point of view and out Todd, now. Todd yes. will find you tomorrow. He's going to give you a ten dollars food voucher he has uh, for being <laughs> on the show. And just you know, people always do this. Is there anything you want to plug before you go? I mean, I don't know if you have any sponsorships or just anything you want to give a shout out to. Oh, well, people should, people should go to um, MSPTPoker.com. They can see that um, everything on there is chainsaw approved. MSPTPoker.com. All right. Chainsaw Very good. Approved. Hey, Alan, good luck the rest of the series. I'll see you at the Rio, and uh, we'll talk in person about roulette. Appreciate all the information you were messaging me about uh, Foxwoods, the, the roulette machines in Foxwoods, and we'll talk more in person about that. But thank you for coming on. Yeah. You're a great guy. And you're I'll be there back. tomorrow. I don't know how I'm going to get up in time, but I'll be there. Okay. Thanks for coming right. on, Alan. Right. It's such a late notice. All right. See you later. Fans good. love you. Good, good night, Alan. That's Alan Kessler here, the chainsaw, and uh, he he didn't agree with us. He thinks that it's a good thing they change these structures, except one. Well, that's I mean, you kind of thought that that's what his opinion was going to yeah, be. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You know, that's yeah. you know, but uh, and anyhow, just so people do realize, uh, you know, I actually, uh, you know, he's a Facebook friend of mine, and and he has offered some info the last couple months about different roulette machines that. Uh, in various casinos because he travels all along the world. So uh, he's definitely someone, you know, I, I mean, I know him in person. It's, I, I am friends with him. I didn't just randomly tweet at him or anything. So he's definitely someone, if there's enough interest, uh, you know, that if I have on the show, you know, semi-regularly, because he's, you know, he's a fixture in the poker world. I mean, he really is. Uh, um, you know, he plays in a lot of events. Last year he cashed in the 50K uh, Pro Players Championship. It was actually interesting. I didn't know that he didn't know how to play No Limit Deuce to Seven. And, yeah, and he wants coaching uh, before someone backs him. That's pretty honest. But that's kind of honorable to say yeah. that he doesn't want to take people's money. You know, if he doesn't know how to play one of the games, a lot of people would, you know, would just take the money. And, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I don't know. Whatever the response is, people like having him on the show. I guarantee we could have him on every once in a while. To you know, always controversial, always outspoken, doesn't really. 
I buy on his feelings. I think him and Matt Savage have had this war going on where Matt's blocked him both on Twitter and Facebook <laughs> no less than four or five times, and he's unblocked them, and they've made up, and, I mean, they've had this running feud. I think right now they're on friendly terms, but uh, oh. anyhow, I, I know you got to get up tomorrow in about yeah, here, geez, six hours. Yeah, by the way, here. See ya. Mm-hmm. Except that's sad. Yeah. Well, here, here, here's what's going on. It's going to be a busy night, all right? For mm-hmm. once off, it's it's Hot 100 night, Billboard Hot 100 night. Yeah. So everyone's singing new songs. It's going to be a lot of fun. Then uh, we've also got a pair of Taylor Swift tickets, which is kind of appropriate because she's number one on the Hot 100 list right now with Bad Blood. God, we are so cool. I know. So <laughs> uh, come on out. You can put your name in the box. So you got to be present to win. But between six and eight, we've got a extra pair of tickets we're going to give away to Taylor Swift's sold-out show. So come on out. See you guys us. there. Mm-hmm. Voting is still open. Vote now. Star1043.com right there in the flashy boxes. I can afford college.com. I- <laughs> Oh, that's cute. I mean, it's after 2 o'clock. Whenever it's 2 o'clock, it goes, ah. There's no way that at 5.49 in the morning they have that much energy in them. That show is rigged. It's not real. It's not live. It's voice tracked. It's voice so funny. Track. It's like uh, they're, they're, they're talking about a contest, and they're going to be at such and such place. These are common voice tracking tricks to where – they make sure to mention that they're going to be at certain places. I guess it's even possible they'll be at this Taylor Swift concert if they were given. Maybe that's part of their job duties is to show up at these things every so often. So, well, I looked on uh, this was before on one of the web pages, and it showed them at various places throughout Asheville promoting. You know, I don't know, fucking Rainforest Day, Planet Tree Day, just you know, various things that they were both at making appearances. So, but you know what? I'm blocked. I got it. My, my first tweet to her was favored. Then I think she, she, the, uh, Seabock hashtag and some of the other stuff probably she picked up that I was trolling her and now I am blocked. Yeah, I'm I still in good standing. I am still in good standing. So, okay. Well, uh, Brandon, thank you for, uh, suggesting this yeah. show. It's interesting. Hopefully I won't, uh, make mistakes tomorrow at the Millionaire Maker and I can blame it on you if it happens. And. I can thank AT&T for having a good enough cell phone signal to broadcast a radio show. It's true. This is actually broadcasted through an AT&T cell phone signal. iPhone 5 is actually broadcasting this whole show, strangely enough. So, I hope it doesn't eat up my entire data allocation. I don't have unlimited data anymore. But hey, I'd rather that than pay $14.99 to the Rio for internet. Of course. Now, Druff is the next... uh program still scheduled for Saturday, correct? I mean, it is at the moment. This is a longer show than I expected. I, I may just say the show was tonight and that's it. You know, the reason I only had the, I had the Saturday one because I didn't I couldn't make it on Tuesday and I figured, well I might as well do a Saturday one, but here we're doing like an early Friday morning one. Is it, it's almost the same thing. I may just rerun it on Saturday. I don't know. I'll see. I'll see what I feel like doing. But uh, otherwise, this will be the show. You'll have to see it'll be a game time decision. And if you didn't catch it live at this odd hour, of course, it will be in the archives, which I will put in there before I go to sleep, just like a regular show. So I may or may not be back on June 6th on Saturday at 3.30 p.m. I actually hope I'm not, because that'll mean that... uh, Oh, no, actually, I'm not playing that day no matter what. I'm definitely not playing that day. I may do it because I have nothing else to do. I'll probably do it Saturday at 6.30, because day two is going to be Sunday of the Millionaire Maker. All right, Brandon, well, uh, good idea to do radio. I think we covered some interesting topics. We've got China Maniac. we got uh, Chainsaw Alan Kessler on here. And even Backdoor B at the beginning of the show. 
Uh-oh. Uh-oh. We're already having connection problems. Well, I don't even know if we're still broadcasting, but the show's ending anyway. So thank you, everybody, for listening. And we will be back either on June 6th or on June 15th. Just check my Twitter, at Todd Wittellis. Oh, there you are. I lost you. I know, I know. It's the cell phone internet. What can I say? Fortunately, the show's almost over. Anyhow, real fast, can I plug something? Yeah, plug. I'm not playing, uh, I don't think I'm playing the Millionaire Maker. The next tournament I will be playing will be uh, Monday at 4 p.m. I am playing the uh, 10K Omaha World Championship. Hmm. So uh, everybody send out some good uh, karma for that. I'm excited to play. So that will be my next event. All right. Very good. Good luck, Brandon. Thank you. Appreciate it. And that's all. Hopefully, uh, thank you very much. Hopefully, I can make a day two and actually cash. Good night and shalom. Shalom.